Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. A quick text. The Grinder says, Bob, nice to hear the show again. Well, the, the show's been on all summer. He said, Ryan Rashog reported this morning that the Oilers have offered Jake Vertanen a PTO and they're trying to move Jesse Pugliarvi. What do you think about this? Huh? I don't think Jake Vertanen's the only player that the Edmonton Oilers offered a PTO to. And I don't think the Edmonton Oilers are the only organization that's offered a PTO to Jake Vertanen. Uh, as for Yessa Pugliarvi, certainly would increase uh, some cap flexibility if he wasn't here. I mean, he is, let's just say, we're going to have many conversations on Yessa Pugliarvi, to say the least. Uh, let's bring aboard our NHL insider for legacy heating and cooling. Whether it's heating or cooling you need, get it with no payments and no interest for a year. That's how you build a legacy, legacy heating and cooling. We welcome back to the show, John Shannon. Hi, John. How you doing? I'm great, Bob. You? Not bad. Not bad at all. Interesting times. Well, that that, that, that wasn't that wasn't a, a ringing endorsement, you know. I mean, hey, oh. you're coming off a good weekend, you know. Uh, you know. Actually, it's the last weekend that I don't have any hockey for the next nine months. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, I know. Yeah, yeah. Are you going to Pen- Are you going to Penticton? Yes, uh, we are. Jack, Jack, Cam, and myself are all going to Penticton with Tony, so we're looking forward to that. That'll be a fun event. Um, the team's got a couple. Actually, this year the team's going in a day early. Uh, the team's got a couple of uh, team events planned around it, so that'll be good. It, it, and the orders will be going with four first-round picks, which is the most. Uh, I've seen I've seen the roster, and I'm not going to divulge everything, but I'll tell you that Broberg, Holloway, as well as uh, Borgo and Schaefer, all will be uh, making their way to Penticton for the the, uh, the event. So there you go. Yeah, I tell you what, it is it is one of the great things uh, that uh, that the four Western clubs finally got back on track because it's. Uh, uh, it's a great facility in Penticton. They get looked after well. The games are fun to watch. Uh, it's, uh, it, you know, when you look back at the amount of times I've been there for uh, uh, the tournament and the and the quality of players uh, that have contributed to the excitement. When you think that was the first time we saw, we really saw Johnny Goodrow contribute for the Flames. That's when Connor made his debut for the Oilers. Pedersen for the Canucks. Uh, you know, there it, it's it's a uh, it's a really really neat event, and I'm glad it's back on track. Well, I mean, just just for full uh, perspective on this, the first year of the tournament, Taylor Hall was the number one pick in the draft. The orders had Taylor Hall, Jordan Eberle, and Magnus Bjarvi uh, in 2010. Then in 2011, Nugent Hopkins was the number one uh, pick of the draft, and he was at the tournament Penticton. And there was no tournament in 2012 uh, because of uh, the pending lockout. In 2013, the Oilers had Clefbaum and Nurse at the tournament. And in 2014, uh, they had a guy by the name of Leon Dreisettle there. And you already mentioned uh, McDavid playing a game. Uh, he got hit by Jake Vertanen in the first shift that he was yeah. on the ice. I remember that. And uh, the Oilers had four or five guys uh, sort of in the mix there. So they've had, uh, you know, th- that I, found that I find that tournament to be interesting. It's interesting, the organizational philosophies. Um, and, it, and it's funny, the Oilers have often had the highest-picked guys there. 
And in this situation, you know, I don't think Vancouver is going to have a first rounder at the turn. I'm going to talk about this later on coming up with Thomas Drance from the Athletic. I don't think the Canucks are going to have a first round pick there. Uh, Calgary will have a couple later rounds, uh, first rounders. And uh, the Jets will have Cole Perfetti, I think, there. But the Oilers having four number ones. Like, there's going to be a lot of focus on Edmonton in that tournament, John. Well, and, I, and quite frankly, one of the reasons uh, that the uh, the tournament went awry uh, a few years back before the pandemic was that the teams had different focus. Some teams uh, did it uh, as a as a basic minimum, and other the other a couple of other teams did put a lot of investment in their young players, and so there was a real imbalance of the of the four rosters and I, I fully expect that after losing the tournament for a few years I think that people will have a new perspective on it. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, today, the rich got richer. The Colorado Avalanche got Evan Rodriguez who might have been the best free agent that was unsigned at this time, John. Well, they needed to do something to replace Kadri's uh, uh, scoring, at least, if, if that's the case. I'm not sure that he's the same player as, as Nas is, but uh, at, the, at the same time, you know, Rodriguez is, a, is an interesting guy. We've talked about him a few times. Uh, I suspect that he will have a great October, a great November, a great December, and then fall off a cliff. Because if you look at his numbers and you look at his game logs over over the seasons, whether it be in Pittsburgh or in Buffalo, <laughs> he, he gets off to a roaring start and then falls apart and doesn't contribute. And this is, I think, the, his consistency was one of the reasons why he didn't get re-signed in Pittsburgh. Wasn't there a guy that played to the Montreal Canadiens and the Arizona Coyotes? Well, it would have been Phoenix back then. Brian Savage. Then they used to jokingly refer to sure. him as Mr. October as well. Well, Brian, Sa- Brian Savage was a really good hockey player. Brian Savage actually contributed quite a bit in some of those playoff runs that Montreal had, Montreal had over that period of time. But consistency was a big issue for Brian in the regular season. There's no question about it. All right, I'm going to read you a text because, uh, you know, the, there were a lot of people that uh, thought the Oilers should have been in on Zach Aston Reese. I would assume that Aston Reese had multiple PTO offers. Uh would not be surprised if Jake Vertanen has multiple PTO offers. Herm, who used to be a WHL executive, has texted the show to say, Bob, the Oilers should take a flyer on Vertanen. The gamble they took on Kane, uh, and look how that turned out. Vertanen can play if he's in the right organization with expectations. He has a little bit of edge, which the Oilers need in the lineup. Uh, And from junior, he could also score a little bit as well. We're now getting closer to it. Um, I mean, I think we'd be naive to believe that the Oilers haven't met with Jake Vertanen. Uh, led to believe that there's multiple teams. I could see Washington being a team that would be looking at Jake Vertanen as well. Have you changed your attitude uh, or your perspective at all on uh, Vertanen, John? Because I don't think you were a big supporter of this about a month ago. No, I wasn't. Um, but you know, as, as you know, if there's a diamond in the rough, and, and I understand Herm's logic of, of the text, uh, what I would say is is that if you know that scoring prowess, where was it in Vancouver? You know, I did a lot of Canucks games over the years, Bob. When Jake was in the lineup, in fact, you talked about it. Jake's first impression was a big one in Penticton at the Prospects Tournament. Um, but I will tell you right now, his inconsistency um, and and 
and some of the off-ice issues were were a problem for the Canucks, and they didn't know how to manage them. Now, I hope with you know the unfortunate issues that Jake has gone through, he's been proven innocent, which is great. Hopefully, he's grown up a bit, and he wants to have a career in the National Hockey League. Uh, we know he has the talent, but does he have the mental fortitude to do it? And that has always been the challenge with Vertanen. He could shoot the puck. Bob, he can shoot the puck. We know that. But can he have the mental fortitude to back up what his physical ability allows him to do? And that's the challenge with Jake Vertanen. Um, yeah, what, I'm going to ask you also about Riley Nash. Would you have any hesitation bringing back a guy to the organization after he elected not to sign with you back in 2010? Well, that's ancient history, as far okay. as I'm concerned. Okay. If, if Ken Holland, if Ken Holland thinks that Riley Nash can help contribute, then then he should be signed to a PTO, and 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 Riley can do it. The biggest issue with Riley is that you sign him to a PTO, you sign him to a one-year contract. Can he stay healthy? Let's face it. That's been that's been Nash's big issue, whether it be in 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 Columbus, whether it be in Florida, whether it be in you know in in Toronto. Can he stay healthy? Interest. Just so the listeners are aware, he was represented by Kurt Overhart, and there was concerns at the time that he came out of college. He was the first-round pick, 21st overall in 2007. The Oilers got Gagne six, and they got. Uh, Alex Plant, 15th. I was not a fan of the Plant nor the Nash uh, dr uh, draft selections. Body orders at that time and wrote about it in the Edmonton Sun. Uh, in 2010, after he played three years of college, he elected not to sign with the orders organization following the advice of his agent, which was Kurt Overhart, who said that the orders did a poor job developing prospects. Now, here's the caveat on that. You can make an argument that the organization in 2010 was not doing a good job developing prospects. So there might, I, I guess I'm the guy that's always felt that Eric Lindros and the Lindros camp was justified in not trusting Marcelo Boo and the Quebec Nordiques. That, that was a justifiable decision that the Lindros uh, family made. And so, you know what, if I look at Dash and the fact that he spurred the, the orders back in 2012 and it was based upon poor developmental record, I, you can make that argument. I think that's a compelling argument that you can make. Yeah, you can. But as I said, the development of an 18-year-old kid versus somebody in his mid-30s, you know, that's, I mean, those are two different Yeah, people, we're talking Bob. about so a guy that would be a fourth-line center, a 12th, 13th player, yeah. right shot. That's what he'd be sure. here. All right, I'm going to read yep. you a text from Stoney from Edmonton uh, because we're talking about Yessa Pugliarvi. We've talked about him a lot, and Stoney says, Warren Fogle makes 275000 less than Yessa Pugliarvi and is at the position of an organizational strength. He also has a play, was a playoff-healthy scratch, but we're talking about trading Yessa Pugliarvi. Can't wait for you to avoid this text. That one comes to us from Stoney from Edmonton. Well, I I don't think it's... <laughs> I guess where we're going here is we have to look... If Paul Yarby ultimately... Died, and I don't believe right now... Put it this way. If the Oilers could have got a second-round draft choice for Paul Yarby at the draft, I think he would have been traded. We... There's enough smoke to know that there's a little bit of fire on where the relationship is at. Like... Ken Holland salvaged it with Paul Yarby, and then Paul Yarby really struggled in the final 40-plus games this past season, John. We both know that. Did he ask yep. for a trade? Well, 
I think that maybe sometimes fresh starts are there for people. I don't think anybody's given the Oilers a third or fourth round pick for Warren Fogle. He's got two years left in his deal at 2.75. Do think you might be able to get a third round pick for Yessa Pugliarvi. And for the Pugliarvi supporters, they're going to hate that return on that trade. What should the Edmonton Oilers do in this situation to create a little bit of cap flexibility, John? Or do they need to do anything? Well, listen, I, I think that they need and want are two different things. I think I think the team wants to make them uh, make themselves a little more uh, cap friendly. Um, and and the, I think the easy the easiest move is Pulyarvi because I think you can get best value for him. That's why his name right. comes up as much as it does. Uh, you're right about the second half of the season, but remember the injuries that led up to the second half of the season that really, because he was actually rounding into form um, and, and then got hurt. Uh, so that to me is the one caveat that you put on beside Pilyarvi. You know, I, I think there's a lot of questions that, that a lot of people in the organization can answer about yes, is does he fit in with what the plan is? Is there a long-term fit? for Pugliarvi with this organization. And I think that that's something Ken Holland has probably discussed with Jay. He's probably discussed it, uh, you, you know, with Keith. I think he's discussed it with a lot of people in his organization to, to, to make the right decision. But the key thing of all this is, you know, if you're going to move somebody and you want to get best value, the answer absolutely is, yes, a Pugliarvi will get you the best value and whether it, I mean I, I I don't know what I don't know what the market's asking for right now, you know a first round pick's close to seven million dollars right now, Bob. You know that's what it looks like. So what's a second round pick worth? Half of that? Yeah. You know so that that, that becomes the real I, issue. I, I also think I mean, we have. I don't think we're and I, and I don't think by the way, uh, I don't think we've avoided this issue all along at all. I, mean, I think we've talked. In fact, I think we've talked a lot about Pulyarvi and his role in this organization and whether he fits in or not. And I don't think. I don't think. I think the jury's still out on that. Yeah. Well, uh, there's no question the jury's still out on that. And I think we have a disconnect uh, from a segment of the fan base as to what the reality is in terms of the worth of Yessa Pulyarvi and the impact on the Edmonton Oilers. We have people, John, who are claiming that Yessa Pulyarvi is the best defensive forward on the Edmonton Oilers when he does not play on the penalty kill. I'm sorry if he was uh, an out-of-this-world defensive performer as a forward, he probably would be on the penalty kill. Now, he has some good 5v5 metrics, but isn't it interesting that some of the best 5-on-5, or some of the uh, more analytically inclined organizations haven't exactly stepped up to the plate to go get him. Now, I do think I've, I've got an organization that makes the most sense for me. Just like if you listen to the show for weeks and weeks and weeks, we told you Phil Castle, $1.5 that was going to be the price point. We told you $2 million, Evan Rodriguez, that's going to be the price point. There is one organization that makes the most sense for Yessa Pugliarvi, and that is the Anaheim Ducks. They have cap space. They have um, Colorado's late second-round pick. They got a couple thirds. They have Pat Verbeek, who used to work for Ken Holland. If I were to hazard a guess as to where Yessa Pugliarvi, if he ultimately does get traded, to me, it would be the Anaheim Ducks. That, to me, makes the most sense, John. What about you? Well, well, and, and you know, you pick an organization, Bob, and picking Anaheim, 
um, that can be patient. You know, they're, they're in a full and ultimate rebuild. So that there's no expectation that Pogliarvi has to go in there and, and, and be a 20-goal guy next year. Uh, you know, they, they can, you know, and I, I like you, I'm a, I'm a Dallas Eakin fan. Uh, they can work with Yessa to make him a better player. Uh, you know, the, the expectation of Anaheim versus the expectation of Edmonton, you know, are, are one that team is supposed to play 82 games, hopefully, and the other is supposed to play 102 games. You nailed it, and and so so th- so you so that makes a lot of sense to me. I think there's a few other teams that could do it too that can can afford to be patient. Uh, but in the end, it becomes the the, t- the two elements, and the two elements that every manager works with is how much help can I give you with your cap, Kenny, and how can I squeeze you for as little as possible to give you in order to do that. And so Ken, Ken is in a position of not really working from a great deal of strength right now when it comes to Pugliarvi and trying to get the best deal for the Oilers. Do you believe there's a certain segment of the fan base that overvalues Pugliarvi? I think I, I think there's a, I, I, I don't think it's specific to Pugliarvi. Um, and I think it's I think it's similar in every market. Yeah. You know, in every city, Bob, in every city, either every player on every team is either thirty percent better or thirty percent worse than they truly are. I'll tell you, you know, what's and, happened. And, <laughs> I'll tell you what's happened here, though, John, is that this team did go through "quote unquote" the decade of darkness. So that lends itself to people second. Like when you win, people second guess less. But when you don't win and you don't achieve, it leads to a scenario where people are going to uh, debate uh, more vociferously as to the astuteness and the legitimacy of the management. So. Again, we have we have people out there that aren't around ever, ever, and they have the opportunity to be around, but they can't be bothered to find the arena. That are you know, Wayne. Oh, I know what's going on in the team, and I know what the value of the. And they don't talk to, like. I'm going to tell you, I think that the Oilers, we both know they explored trading Pugliarvi in the offseason. We both know that. And I just, I don't, I don't think the value is, in a perfect world, yeah, you get a first rounder for it. It's not going to, if, I think at this stage, you're, you might be lucky to get a late second round pick for Pugliarvi. And I'll take it one step further. If your position placement is, I'm not trading him for a late second rounder, that's fair. If that's your argument. If you're a listener that believe, I'm just letting you know that I don't think you could get a pick of the top 45 for Yessa Pugliarvi at this time. Well, and I mean, I, it, it, the the interesting thing about it is, is is what you know what really becomes of, of Pugliarvi's value now, or does it become greater as the season wears on? Yeah. You know, because I don't, I don't think, I don't, you know, I don't think there's, I don't think Ken's in a point where he has to do something by a certain date either. I think you, you want to be cap nimble on the first of March. That's what you want to be. You want to be cap nimble on the first of March when you need to make that trade to help your team. You saw it last year. He had, he was forced to do a little bit of juggling on trade deadline day in order to try to get the guys he felt would help the team, and he did a good job of it. So, you know, just because, you know, Pugliarvi goes to camp and Pugliarvi starts the season doesn't mean he's going to finish the season there. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. John, great stuff. Anything else you wanted to hit on? 
No, I'm just jealous you're going to Penticton and I'm not. Well, got to let the good times roll, my man. Well, I'll tell you what, then uh, just order me an extra chicken parm at Villa Rosa, will you? Okay, you know what? Uh, sure, we're going to do that for you. <laughs> Are we going to put that on the Shannon account? I think I bought the last time. I think you bought the last three times. Thanks, John. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> See you later. See ya. It is 12.53 at Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott joining you in Oilers Now. We are going to take a quick timeout, come back with a little bit of the Oilers Now audio vault and bang off a couple of your texts. All right, two quick texts on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Mark and St. Albert says, Hi, Bob. As usual, you're on the on-trade uh, Pulley bandwagon. Give the kid more, one more year to prove himself. We are not going to get anything from him right now, for him right now. And Jake Ferdannon is not even close to being as good as Paul Yarby. That one comes to us from Mark in St. Albert. Randy says, let me ask you uh, this, uh, Bob and John. Do you think there's certain factors of the media that underestimates the value of Paul Yarby? Make him a middle six winger for the season, move Fogel, replace him with Holloway, and look at JP's value again after uh, New Year's Day. The problem is uh, at Fogel, with in terms of moving Fogel, I think the Oilers would have to include an asset if they were to move out Fogel because he's got two years left at $2.75 million. All right, we are going to tell you this right here, right now on Oilers Now. Reminder, all season long, the Oilers Now Injury Report is brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers, unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. It's this simple. James H. Brown, they're the best. Now, I will tell you, Trent Brown, he's hurting for certain because he loves the green and gold, and they are struggling. 3-10 and ten right now for the Edmonton Elks. Trent Brown, of course, the former all-star CFL safety. As we go into the Oilers Now Audio Vault, for direct workwear, specialized to work with your business, outfit your crew from head to toe in Edmonton and Fort McMurray. Um, and Leon Dreisettle had these comments on recovering from his ankle injury. Took a little time, obviously. Um, <clears throat> a little restricted on on a bunch of things this summer, but um, you know, obviously, you try and work around it as good as you can and get yourself ready for uh, yeah, two weeks from now. And uh, Jack Campbell, meanwhile, in Edmonton, obviously, a lot of former Leafs with the Oilers. He had these thoughts. Yeah, it always helps to know uh, teammates, and uh, there's quite a few guys I've played with throughout the years or gotten to know, and, um, you know, just the opportunity to work out with the guys from Toronto this summer was was awesome, and, uh, yeah, the the other guys um, on different teams always joke that it's the Oilers' practice out there. So, um, no, it was was awesome, a lot of fun, but uh, hard work, and we're ready to get going. There you go. That's Jack Campbell back in the Ashley Five Floors text line. Mitch says, I would want Colorado's second round pick for JP. Personally, I think he's out of the league in three to five years. Wow. 12.59 in Edmonton. By the way, we verified he did not grow up a Vancouver Canucks fan. He grew up a Maple Leafs fan. Evan Cook up next with a global news weather traffic update. And then when we come back, talking about fandom from Pro-Am Sports, Jack Cookson.